Open your Bibles with me this morning. I'd just like to share a little thought from John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This is a story that we all know well, and they say some of those most favorite stories are the ones we learned in Sunday school, right? And uh, this one is one we learned in Sunday school, but this has something to teach us. And, and uh, as I've meditated on this story various times, I have been impressed with all the different things that I pick out of this story. But today I want to talk about something really simple and stuff here. You saw the title in your bulletin, in your bulletin you know, what is it? Um, something about fish burgers, right? <laughs> fish burgers in the hands of God. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Um, the text says in the following, and I have to take off my glasses because I can't read with them or without them. But anyway, if you bear with me. Um, John 6, 1 through 14. <clears throat> After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing the large crowds coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five loaves of bar barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was, as much, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 500,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who... Um, who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the, fish bar, from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Then the people saw the sign, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed, this is indeed the prophet who was to come into the world. Dear Heavenly Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in your word, for your word is truth. Sanctify us in the truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a, a story you all know, the feeding of the 5,000. It's recorded in all five Gospels. But what I like about this Gospel of John, when he records it, is that he says something that the other Gospels don't say. He tells who brought the um, loaves and the fish. All the other ones kind of just ignore that part and stuff. But it's interesting that John records it. Why? Because John is the chapter of love, you know, or the book of love. It's, it talks about God's love for people. And um, God always has these people in John, these unknown heroes, as I might say, that come to Christ or do things for Christ, and Christ does a great work through it. We remember in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. In John chapter 3, there's Nicodemus. 
and stuff. John, and the Samaritan woman goes and invites all these men to come and they hear Jesus and receive the gospel and then Jesus spends some days there. In Nicodemus, he was there in the end to bury Jesus. And all these people that Jesus touched. Well, here we have the story of this boy. This boy comes to serve Jesus. And we learned three things in this story that I think are important for our life. The first thing that we learn about is that this boy comes with his five fish burgers. Okay? Um, these, or his McFish or whatever you call it. And um, these little barley loaves and the fish. And... Um, so the disciples are looking for the crowd for something to eat through the crowd, and they find only this boy that has food. He came prepared. We say he was ready. I don't know what went on in his mind, but he was thinking, he probably was thinking something like, well, I want to go and follow Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to spend time with Jesus. This Jesus is doing many, many things. I want to spend time with him. We realize that um, here, the, this is up in Galilee, and um, the people are coming from all over the place, all over the Middle East and Europe and stuff to the Passover. And they're going down through Galilee on the way to Jerusalem. The news of Jesus had spread out all over the place. And so these people were stopping by to hear Jesus before they went to the Passover. And this little guy wanted to hear Jesus. So he prepared himself for it. He got up early, packed his lunch, and went off to see Jesus. And it's interesting that I think he had enough lunch for five meals, okay? A fish burger for each meal. And so he was ready to be there for a long time. He did some preparation. He thought about the time that he would spend, the time that he was there, and he prepared his lunch. I remember this, uh, uh, kind of, this is kind of touches me a little bit because I remember when I was a teenager going to uh, hitchhike around Brazil some places and getting up really early because you know when you hitchhike you never know what time you're going to get to your destination. I mean you can stay on the side of the road for many many hours. So I packed the lunch and everything to have for a long journey. I wanted to go to a state fair and uh, so I packed the lunch to, to hitchhike to the state fair which was about three hours from where we lived. And uh, of course it took me two days to go there and get back. But <laughs> But it was a fun, fun and interesting experience. And um, so you, you get ready for that. Of course, I was ready for the travel. I wasn't ready for the first ride, which I got with a guy that was totally drunk. And he was in a VW bus, you know, a combi. Uh, you know, these, these, you know, if you know a VW bus, it's a sardines can. You know, it's just a piece of can. And he was drunk, and we were sitting in the front seat, and he was passing you know, he would just come up behind a person, then he'd pass. He wouldn't care if any car was coming. The cars are all going in the ditch and stuff, and we're going back, you know, and he's driving like that. Finally, that thing broke down, and we said, thank God, praise the Lord, bye-bye. <laughs> you know, but anyway, that was our experience. But anyway, this kid was prepared, and um, a lot of times when we see, when we want to see God do things, God also wants us to, to have a part in this. He wants us to prepare in some ways to be able to see God do great and mighty things. Uh, as a missionary on the field in Brazil, I have been very excited to see God do some great and awesome things. And one of the things for me was recently the building of our church. Now you probably got some news a year or so ago from us 
saying that we wanted to build this church. We had been meeting in homes for 10 years. And the mission board finally approved, after 20-some years working for the mission, they approved my first project. I mean, it wasn't my first project. I had given them many projects, but they never were approved. This was the first one they approved, was the building of my church in Maningai. And what we wanted to do was put the skeletal structure up. You'll see that later on when I show you slides in, in this, after lunch. But anyway, this, um, so the, this project was approved, and right away we got the money to be able to build up the frame of the church. Then all the rest of the church we built ourselves. We did the walls, we did the floors, we did the ceilings. We, it's a three-story building. We did um, the, the plumbing, the electrical, the finish work, everything we did. We saved a lot of money by doing it ourselves. Took a lot of work. But it went together extremely fast. We were shocked. I, I thought, we're going to get into this building project. It's going to take me five years to get through this. And in one year, we inaugurated the church. I mean, it was just amazing. And, um, and the, the, the man that was in charge of the, the construction, the layman in our church was in charge, he just cried through the whole inaugural service because it was such an exciting thing. And we had been preparing for this for 10 years. You know, We had been living in homes, saving money to buy property and everything, and saving and working and stuff. But finally, when God put it in our house, it's time to build, you know, God did a thing that we could not imagine. We just couldn't imagine it. Uh, when I bought, brought the project to the church to show them, hey, this is what we're going to want to build, and I told them the value, I thought, they're my board is going to shoot it down right away. But they didn't. They approved it, and uh, they said, we're going to build it by faith. And man, you know, God just did a great thing. So there's a time of preparation. God wants us to prepare, to be ready. This little guy, he got prepared to follow Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. Proverbs 21, 31 says, A horse is made ready for, battle, for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. You know, you're going to go out to, to war, you get everything prepared, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And so we see in this little guy here, a real preparation. I don't know what he expected, but I know that he wanted to spend time with Jesus and he was ready for it. Um, in 2 Timothy 2.21 it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart, for holy and useful for the master's house, ready for every good work. God wants us to be ready so that he can do great and awesome things with us. The second thing that we see in this little guy is that he was willing he was willing. Um, he was willing to give up that which was rightfully his to keep. Now I can just imagine the disciples coming to him and saying, you know, you got any food? And he says, yeah, I got some food here. And he said, what do you have? Well, I've got these five little barley loaves and I got some fish here. And so he says, well, can we have it? And he says, why? Well, because we want to feed these people. Look around, you know, 5,000 men plus, you know. You've you got to be joking. No, no, uh, you know. Yeah. He says, well, uh, no, you know. I brought this, this is for me. You guys figure it out, you know. I, I'm not going to let you guys have it. This is mine, you know. If I prepared, that's your tough luck, you know, and stuff. He could have had that attitude. That's so many times the attitude we have today, isn't it? You know, what is mine is mine, and we, we admit that, you know, it was his and it was in his right.
to keep it. But that wasn't his thinking. He was willing to give it up. You know, he was willing to surrender. He said, well, you know, can we get your food? Sure, you know, here, take it, you know, and stuff. Really great attitude that he had, this willingness to give up. Not only that, but in his probably mindset, he was willing to give it up for the good of the rest. So obviously, somebody else needed it. And the other thing is that he was willing to give it up and be without. Can you imagine that? Give it up and be without, you know? Like he just gave it all up, didn't keep any of it, you know? So he's willing to give it up and be without. Now, we might give a part of it, you know, here and stuff, but he gave it all and stuff. And when we have that kind of attitude, God can do such great and awesome things with it. So the first thing we see in this little guy is that he was ready, prepared to spend time with Jesus, prepared to be a long time there. Second, when that thing that he prepared to be able to be there a long time was asked of him, he was willing to give it up. But then there came the third part, you know. The third part was um, the part of the miracle. And um, my brother Paul, he's kind of the clown in the family, and he's always joking around. When he was in college, he'd come to his friends and say, you're ready, you're willing, and I'm able, you know. <laughs> but the reality is, that the one that is really able is God. You know, in all that we do, in all that we do, the one that is able is God. You know, many of you probably here, how many of you are farmers here? Okay, you know that you're totally dependent on God, right? But you know, you're not the only ones that are totally dependent on God. We're all dependent on God. It doesn't matter what we're in. We're dependent on God for our health, for our intelligence, for uh, the abilities, everything, we're dependent on God. Um, I have three children, and my two oldest left home when they were 17 years old. And uh, Brazilians are very family-orientated, you know, like they keep their kids forever if they can, and stuff. And so they thought, oh, you Americans, you're so cruel. How do you send your kids away when they're 17, you know, and stuff? And I said, well... First of all, I'm not sending them away. They want to go, you know, and uh, everything is right. So I think, that, you know, they can go. But I can't, when they go, I can't afford to take care of them. They go, what? Yeah, they're going to go out there, but, you know, they have to learn how to swim. So, you know, let them out. But I said, you know, the reality, the way I think about it is that without God's help, I can't take care of them. I never could. And stuff. And if God helped me take care of them all these years, he's going to take care of them also when they go out. Because he is the one that takes care of all of us. And stuff. And he can do a much better job than I can. And believe me, he has been taking care of my kids very well since they left home. And stuff. And I praise the Lord. And they have learned to grow up and to mature and to face life as it really is. And so God has been good. And so God does these things. Miracles. So imagine here, God gets these fish sandwiches and, uh, you know, Jesus gets them and he prays and he starts, you know, breaking them and filling basket after basket. Now, if you were in that service, you'd say, how does he do that magic? <laughs> you know, 
Imagine getting a piece of fish, you know, he got a little fish like this and he starts breaking it off, you know. Breaking it, breaking it. Up. Oh, I already took out a thousand pieces out of this one. Now let me start this one. <laughs> no, t- actually he took out 2,500 pieces out of one fish this big. Then he starts the other one, taking out 2,500 pieces of fish, you know. And I mean, wouldn't that be magic? I mean, when you see a guy taking things out of his sleeve and it just keeps coming out, you know, well, this is so much greater. Imagine the people and that little kid just watching his fish multiply, you know. We don't know, but God can do these crazy things, and he does if we're ready and we're willing and we give up to him in our lives to do. He just does those things. Just great and awesome things. And I have have had this experience a lot lately, just seeing the blessings of the Lord and what he's did. Um, The second church that I planted, I was there five years in Kapuganji, a much bigger city than I am today. But I went there, just Tamba and I. We had one little old couple that had been praying for us to come to establish a church in this city. And I remember I went there. We had a tent crusade for... Uh, ten days, various kids became, uh, came to know the Lord at that campaign, a couple ladies. And so we rented a little hall, and we started meeting in that hall. And um, I remember that hall cost us uh, $75 a month. It was expensive for the size of the place, but uh, it's all we could afford. And even then, I would have a hard time paying that bill of $75 a month. You know, it's so little money, and yet I'm having a hard time. And yet we had the intention of establishing roots in that town. That's what the mission wanted me to do, to establish roots. And so we bought a property, you know. I mean, I don't know how we bought it, but we ended up buying a property. It was pretty cheap. I think the property cost about $1,500 at the time. So that was cheap. But for me, who couldn't pay the $75 for the lot to buy a $1,500 property was a huge thing. But we bought it to build. And I got an estimate from an engineer what it was going to cost. It was going to cost something like, uh, at the time, $85,000. And, um, and I had accumulated $6,000, okay? And then somebody said, oh, no, you can build it for sixteen. dollars Oh, okay, great, you know? Well, I'll tell you the truth, that church is built today, it cost $85,000 plus, you know? <laughs> but I started, you know, as stuff Maybe stupidity is a good thing for a Christian to have because then you walk in faith and, and, you know. But anyway, I started building that church. And in five years, I had the congregation. I had members. I had a board, which takes a long time to get, you know, men qualified and people qualified for a board. I had a board. And I had the church building built and the parsonage built. Two lots. I bought the lot next door and built the parsonage. And it was great. And how I built the parsonage, the, the guy was starting to build the same time he started building the church, and he always said, Jonathan, I want to sell this property to you. And it kept going up, because as he built, it get more expensive. Finally, he said, um, Jonathan, I want to sell you my property. And I said, how much do you want? He said, I want $15,000 for it. I said, well, that's a lot of money. But I said, if you wait for six months, I'll see what I can do. So then I contacted the mission board, and I asked, would you loan me $15,000? And they said, well, I want to buy the property next to the church. So 
He said, okay. So they loaned me $15,000, and I started paying back the mission. And um, then uh, after a while, they called me up and said, Jonathan, we heard that you bought that property for the church and not for yourself, not to build a home on. He says, yeah, I, I had no intentions of buying it for myself, Bill. I want to buy it for the church because I don't want anybody to buy that lot and make a bar right next door and have loud music and all that kind of stuff. I want it for the church. And I'd already paid 7000 on my loan. And they said, well, Jonathan, I'll tell you what. Stop paying. We'll, we'll take care of the rest. But um, we'll send you, when we have money, we'll send you $7,000 back. So when they got, they sent me $7,000. That was about six months before I had to go home on furlough. I built the parsonage with that $7,000 and went home on furlough. So God was good, you know, and he worked it all out. And I left that place, and I was sitting in the car thinking, God, how did you do all this in such a short time, you know? I said, I did a bunch of work. I worked hard, but everything I did failed but yet you brought exceedingly abundantly more that I could ask or think or dream or trust, you know, and stuff. You are so good. And God is that way. And we see that on the mission field. And same with here. So God wants us to be ready. God wants us to have a willing disposition to be used by him. And then God will do what he has out to do. And he does it much better than you or I could ever do in this stuff. But God is great. And God does great and awesome things. And that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. May God bless you. Thank you for having me here. After a lunch or during lunch, we'll show some slides back there so you can get the whole picture. Right? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story that you've given to us about this little boy who um, was ready to follow you and was so willing to give you everything he had, Lord so that you could do great things and feed all those people, Lord. And I know that you want to feed many people around the world with your gospel. You want to bring them life. And so, Lord, we just thank you for what you do through us, because we know that you do great things. In Jesus' name, amen.